Welcome to the GTI Tours Podcast. Join us as we go behind the scenes and discuss with trip leaders, guides, biblical scholars, and more to bring the land and the lessons of the Bible to life. Hello and welcome to the GTI Tours Podcast. My name is Rich and I will be your host today. And I am excited that we are back on the air again. We are talking about biblical things. We are diving into the text and we're going to bring the land and the lessons of the Bible to life. And today I get a chance to chat with a friend of mine, but Eric Tonis, who's on the show today, is one of my good friends and somebody I look up to, respect, and someone who I just love learning from. So we're going to get a chance to hear from him, and we're going to be talking about a Reformation tour, which from GTI side, we've never never really done one of these before. And so I got really excited about the thought of doing one, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. And when I thought about who I wanted to lead it, Eric was the first person who who came to mind. So I hope today you guys will enjoy as we step into this, understanding why the Reformation is an exciting time to study what we can learn about with our with our Bibles with it. And I'm excited for you to get to know Dr. Eric Tonis. So Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rich. So good to be with you. Hi, everybody. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you, about your family, and about, uh, yeah, just where you teach and what you do. Sure thing. I was born and raised in Connecticut, the nutmeg state, but even <laughs> more important, the birthplace of Jonathan Edwards and really the Great Awakening. The Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God that sparked the Great Awakening was preached in Enfield, Connecticut. And it's amazing how little people know about the history of the Great Awakening in that area of the country. But as a, a Christian growing up in that area, I was aware of it and so really felt a connection to the history of the place, even though a lot of people aren't aware of it. But pretty spiritually dry and cold place now. I still get excited when I walk into a Starbucks and I see someone reading their Bible because I never saw that growing up in my life. (laughs) So even though people in the rest of the country think California's lost its mind, when I moved here, I met so many warm-hearted Christians who were willing to be public with their faith in that sort of way. So I, I love moving to California and I really have enjoyed the last 22 years here teaching at Biola University and being a pastor at Grace Evangelical Free Church in La Mirada, along with my wife, Donna, of 32 years and our four children. We love life here and are really grateful we get to be here. See, where this is where this kind of gets fun is that I am also an, uh, I'm an alumni of Biola and Talbot uh, Theological Seminary. And in 2000, I might get the, the dates wrong here, but 2020, I think it was, uh, maybe it was a little bit before, no, not 2020, that's now, that's COVID. <laughs> so let's go back yes. in time, 2000, here we go. There you go. Um, I, I was graduating from Biola and I had one left, one class left in the theology department that I needed to take. Everybody has to take these classes. And all of a sudden this new professor shows up for my last theology class that I had. And I remember it being trans, it was, it just transformed my life. Like you came in and you brought the Bible alive and theology alive in a way that I had never seen it. So much to the fact that I then went on to, to Talbot and moved over to doing an emphasis in theology and then never had a class with you again. So <laughs> right. I was like all excited that, that I was going to have Dr. Tonis again, but never did. But it really was a transformative time for me. And you, you just brought theology alive. 
Well, Rich, I, I'm so honored to hear that and so thankful that God faithfully uses frail creatures to, to do things that, that are helpful to people. And I, I must say, there's nothing more gratifying in my life than to be a little part of who someone becomes like you in a way where you have had an impact uh, both at Hume Lake Christian Camp, leading the Joshua Institute, and now working with GTI and helping people grow in their relationships with the Lord. That generational effect that your life can have is a really humbling and deeply encouraging thing. And to see you walking in faithfulness and 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 taking that baton and running with it in ways that I, I just couldn't and don't uh, inc- increasingly don't have the energy for as I get older. I'm just so grateful that the next generation is is so faithful in, in taking what they've learned to another level. I mean, typically, folks, like when you when you think of a theology class, like I think people think boring. Like they just think, you know, they just think like, oh, theology. And I remember sitting in this class and one of the first assignments was, all right, we're going to be talking about some different um, aspects of God. And I think one of them was Christology or whatever it might've been. And, and Dr. Tana said, you will write, you will only have one piece of paper is all you will get. And you will have to write everything you know about this topic. I remember sitting there going, this is ridiculous. And then I remember as we did this project, I, I was in the smallest type font I could get to <laughs> trying to fit as much on there as I could, because we were just diving into the Bible and into all the places where Christology showed up and all of these different things. And, and I remember just falling in love with this concept. And then the other thing you did in class was never really had, you know, I always thought that like the, the, the hymns, the old Wesleyan hymns, all these different hymns and stuff were just boring. And I remember you brought them in to our class and each class we would finish by singing one. And you would sit there and go, this was how theology was taught. It was taught in song. And I've been a lover of hymns since. And it was just transformative. I keep using this word. And, and one time I remember you asked a question, I said something and you, and you looked at me, you said, you said, Mr. Ferreira, now that's doing theology. And <laughs> And and that has been something I've taken with me my the, my entire life now has been our life is theology. It's about how we live out our understanding of God, and to, to be a seeker and a someone who knows God is is something I want to be the rest of my life. So, Amen. I I couldn't I couldn't feel more strongly about what you're saying that theology is intensely practical. It, it, doctrine sounds like such a dry, boring academic term. And some people even see it very negatively, not just neutrally, but negatively that it causes arguments and division and eventually wars. So let's just agree to disagree on things and, and just seek unity, even if it's not grounded in God's truth. And so I, I, I think God's word, which leads us to understanding of things in holistic ways should invade every area of our lives. It should affect the way we spend our money and the way we think about dating and marriage and parenting and vocation and entertainment and recreation and sex and music and art and food and everything should be seen through the lens of God's perspective on things. And you want to talk about something at the heart of the Reformation. A famous Luther quote is that the milkmaid is doing the work of the Lord, that that someone who is doing a job that we would think is just sort of menial labor 
is worshiping God and viewing that vocation through through the lens of God's perspective on everything being sacred when you see it from God's vantage point. And so it's intensely practical, but but it's also worshipful. And that's why we would sing, because unless our hearts are engaged, our affections are affected by belief, and then expressed to God in adoration, we're falling far short of where theology should lead us. So it should it should lead us to, to a greater intensity of worship, a greater practical holiness in our lives, a deeper intimacy with God, a greater love for for others. It, it, it should invade every area of our lives possible. And so I really do think it needs to be taught in a way where that's really clear, where it's anything but really clinical and academic. You know, and from that point, I got the opportunity to go to the Joshua Institute and run that. And, and I had to take on some courses to teach I chose theology and I, I tried to base my theology classes off of what I learned in your classes. I mean, we used the same book, we used the Erickson book. We, I mean, we did the whole thing and, and it was just, I watched people's lives change, you know, as they, they fell in love with God's word, as they fell in love with not only just knowing it, but how do you put it into practice? Like you just said, the practical aspect of letting God's word come into your heart, into your soul, and then transform the way that you act in the every everyday life that you do. And that's, you know, that's why I, I'm doing GTI is that taking people on these trips to Israel or Jordan or Egypt or the biblical lands is transformative. It's a chance to take the things we learn in the Bible and see that they are real places, real people, and then go, what can we learn and how do we put it into practice into our lives? So then we get yeah, this that, moment now of the Reformation, which was never on GTI's kind of like like wheelhouse of what we did. But the more I thought about it, I was going, whoa, th- these are moments where the church has to wrestle with so many different things going on in the modern day of its time and then decide how it's going to reflect Christ in it. And sometimes it does it well, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And it seems yeah, like that's I, the world we live in. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful to get to do this. And I, I think the fundamental reason is similar to why I see so much value in going to Israel, going to the place where events in the Bible happened. I remember we, we spent six weeks uh, in graduate school studying in Israel, and we did some uh, time in Egypt and in Rome as well. But it, at times it was overwhelmingly impressive. But I must say that. The thing that impressed me most about going to the Bible lands is how often unimpressive it was. I I remember going to Nazareth and thinking, this is just (laughs) this dinky little town. You know, a a good baseball player could hit a baseball from one end to the other. And and this is where the Lord of the universe grew up. And, And it was dry and dusty and and so real and often unimpressive externally, but, but it, it, it was this realization that these are real people in real places at real times. And, and they're human like we are. And, and so what it did was it, it took the often mythical quality Bible stories and people can take on, and it made it intensely real and then relatable that, that God enters time, space, and human history in real places, real times, and in, in ways that are so unspectacular, very often that that it's it's stunningly normal 
which means it has everything to do with my life, which is stunningly normal <laughs> and, exactly. and mostly mundane. And the Christian life, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the hardest thing about the Christian life is it's so daily. It's not a pilgrimage to Mecca or to the mountaintop to meet the, the wise sage. It's, it's a daily thing where Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. There's a dailiness to it. And so lives as disciples of Jesus are worked out changing diapers and stuck in traffic on the way to work and, and mustering the energy to, to be with your kids when you just want to go take a nap. It, it's these things that, that disciples of Jesus realize are the work of the kingdom. And, and the reality of going to real places where real people experience massive movements of the Lord at work was one of the most encouraging things to my faith I've ever experienced. Deeply thankful for it. And, I, and I'm hoping the same thing happens when we go to these places where heroes of the faith who were willing to give their lives for the truth of the gospel as they had come to understand it uh, are, are, are real places, real people, which brings us into that story in powerful ways. And that's kind of how we got to this moment of wanting to do this trip was, you know, I, I remember sitting at a place like Caesarea Maritima, kind of reading through Acts again, and just this idea of go and make disciples of all nations and this idea of it going out. Well, it does go out. It goes out into the Roman world. And that's why we do Turkey trips. It's like the New Testament comes alive as you go through Turkey and Greece and you just see you just see the collision of the gospel with the world of its time and then what it does. And and then it, it goes out from there. And so we're going to get into this moment then where we get to the Reformation where Christianity, Christianity has gone out to the ends of the earth, it seems like, to many places. And, and now what does it look like? You know, what are people doing as they live it out? And we, we had this moment of going, let's go see that because there's so many great places in Europe that you could go and you can kind of see these great cathedrals and these, this art and all these things going on and the storyline. But then there's also this thing that goes on every 10 years um, called the Passion Play in a place called Oberammergau. And that's every 10 years. And it's really hard to be able to go on a trip like this to a place like that because the tickets and uh, the the space is taken years and years and years in advance. And so we looked at it going, well, if we're going to do a Reformation trip, let's try to go on a 10-year anniversary so that we can go to Omer Amargau and we can see this amazing village that comes together and puts on a passion play. Uh, and let's make that happen. So we, what we did is we, we partnered up with another agency called Pathfinders, which, uh, again, they've been doing this for years. Uh, we could never get in, but they already had tickets. We set all of this up. We got this trip ready. It was ready to go. You and I were really excited about it. And then all of a sudden, COVID hits, shuts it all down. So the restart is coming. 2022 is what they moved it to. And here you and I are getting to have this conversation again because this trip is coming back up. And I'm getting the same questions from people right now of going, well, why, why go on a Reformation tour? Like, what is there to do? What is there to see? What is there to experience? Oberammergau will be great, but I think the depth of what you and I are starting to get into right now of what is able to be learned or what we can glean from these uh, these people who have gone before us, you know, and Luther Luther being one of them. We're going to see a lot of Luther on this trip. Yeah, 
Yeah, I love thinking about the providence of God as he works out his sovereign plan in our lives, even in derailing our plans the way every one of us have had our plans derailed in the last last couple of years. And so I love thinking about what it means even in this situation. So, you know, what's amazing about the Oberammergau Passion Play is it was started yeah. as a response to God saving the people in that from town a from a plague. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's profound that we're, we're going following this worldwide pandemic. And those of us who are going have survived it. And, and this commitment to honoring God through this display of Christ's work on our behalf in this play is an act of gratitude through the generations for God's kind provision of saving their lives from a plague. And here we are coming out of something like that again, able to still have lives of gratitude, but but also backing up and thinking about what God did in the biblical record then shapes the rest of human history in such pivotal and profound ways. And so, so not only in the, the events of the Bible and, and after that, but then in the Reformation, when, as the Reformers would say it, after darkness light, the gospel had been uh, overtaken by, by religious practice and legalism and corruption in ways that the gospel had become unrecognizable in the church as it was at the time. And, and these courageous Reformers read the scriptures and see the justification by faith alone mm-hmm. is at the heart of the gospel and it floods their own souls with light and they're not satisfied to keep that to themselves and, and they're willing to risk their lives to get that translated scriptures into the hands of, of farmers and not just religious leaders who desperately need to hear the gospel from God's own word. And so we, we have these real people at real time in these cataclysmic events of human history, but all under the providential hand of God and orchestrating this. So our opportunity to visit at this time is also part of that. And I'm praying that nothing short of revival and whatever the details of that may look like will happen in our lives, each of us who go to these places and remember what Jesus did as the Reformation unearths this gospel that had been covered over. It's going to be amazing. I I've been to Europe a couple of times, but I've never had a chance mm-hmm. to walk some of these paths and, and to, to jump into studying some of these people and some of these moments. And I, I remember in, in seminary, I got I got just got to say, like, it was one of the more boring classes I ever had, you know, and it shouldn't have been. It should not have been one of those those classes that was boring, but it was like, OK, we got to do we got to do church history, you know, kind, kind of thing. And the more that I've, I've read it and I've, there's been a couple great little books like this one, it was kind of, I think it was called uh, church history in plain language or something like that. And, and I, I remember reading through that and just being amazed again at the story of faith of people as they, they stood up for what they believed and how the church was affected and changed in, in the process. We yeah, get the chance it, to go see these things. Yes, indeed. And it, and it will it will, I pray, be a life transformative experience as we do this together as people who are devoted to Christ and the gospel that it it comes alive to us, realizing that God doesn't drop his word 
to us uh, from heaven in uh, a bunch of propositions. He, he works it out in the midst of history. That's why Christians should all deeply care about history. And quite frankly, especially American Christians have often not done a very good job of appreciating the importance of history. Our, our, our memory can be very limited on, on the heritage we come from. And, and, and so to, to dig deeper into our Christian heritage and understand those saints that have walked before us and were part of this great legacy that we should have a reverence for and a deep desire to understand. When we become Christians, history should take on a life it had never had before because we realize it's not just dates and events, it's God orchestrating his plan. The Bible says in the fullness of time, God has sent his son. So God, very aware of the, the progress of human history, brings about the incarnation of Christ at just the right time. And he does that throughout history in just the right time. And so, so history is often boring for people because it gets reduced to, to dates and events and we're not, we don't realize the connection between them. And so history taught well recognizes that it's not just events and facts and dates. It's God orchestrating a series of events that's leading ultimately to a glorious wedding feast and a culmination of everything he has intended for his creation. Now, friends can go on right now and they can see, like you'll see in the link in the in the podcast notes to this itinerary, or you can go to gtitours.org. And if you go to the join button, you'll see the Reformation uh, tour there that you can click on. Limited space. There's only room for a few, like the, the trip was full. And then because of COVID and because it got postponed, uh, I think about 20 spots opened up. And so that's what we're talking about here for those who are interested in joining up with it. But let's walk through the itinerary a little bit. And Eric, why don't you highlight some of the places that that you're really excited to see and to experience and and to show you know people and talk about? Well, I I love Germany. When I visited there, I, my family's from Germany. My my grandfather emigrated from Germany, as did my grandmother on the other side, and so. So I'm deeply thankful for the opportunity to, to go again and see this place so rich with history and culture. And of course, Wittenberg is, is going to be an amazing place because that's where many people would argue the Reformation got started as far as Luther uh, nailing the 95 theses to the door. I, I don't think he had any idea what was starting then. And, and we're going to try to do a good job of clearing up what's become myth and misperception of what what actually happened but but Wittenberg is where where in some ways the gauntlet was dropped and the battle began against the established church and and a lot of the corruption and misunderstanding that entered in so so to go to to Wittenberg is is going to be an incredible part of the trip but then then to head to the the places where where Luther was born in in Leipzig and um, in Erfurt, in these places where, where he was raised. Again, seeing in some ways the unimpressiveness of some of these places when you actually go there and realize a very different time. I'm very concerned that, that so many of us view history what's called anachronistically. We sort of transport our own perspective and values from the day we live into a past time. And we can be very judgmental of people in the past 
when we do that and unappreciative of their context. And so to go to these places, uh, V-Spot and, and others that, and of course, Verms, where, where Luther had to say, I, I'm going to follow where scripture leads me no matter what it costs me. And, and to see these places where uh, these courageous acts took place uh, is going to be challenging to our faith, encouraging, and hopefully give us a great perspective on, on the history that we're part of now. And it's exciting too, along the way, like we're going to, we're going to see beautiful places. I mean, Europe is, is got some just amazing cathedrals and buildings, and we're going to get a chance to be on a, a river cruise, which you know, it's not going to be all suffering on this trip, uh, which is going to be fun, you know? So if you're there with your spouse or whatever, like this is going to be a great, just, I, I, I call these the romantic fun trips, you know, like, cause you get to be places. I, I've gotten to go to a lot of places like this. My wife is not been with me and it hasn't been as great. So I'm excited for her to, to be on the trip. And, you know, we get to, we get to see some beautiful, beautiful places along the way. And, we're going to make our way uh, into a place that one of the few places so far on this itinerary I've been myself, Nuremberg, uh, which is a cool, cool, feels like a castle, imperialistic old city, you know, all around that. And it's kind of famous in modern day as well. Yeah. And I, I do love what you're saying that this obviously will be focused on the Reformation, but Anytime we go somewhere, we want to drink in the culture and realize what's led to this this place and this culture being what it is now. And there's an amazing, fascinating complexity to German culture and and experience it not just as tourists, but as people who, who really want to appreciate uh, the place and the culture and the food and the music. And like you're saying, there's there's a wonderful not just vacation aspect to it, but but a deepening appreciation for for a culture in some ways very different than what many of us have experienced, but in some ways we're the product of this culture in very significant ways. And then we'll be, we'll get to go to Omar Amargau, which you and I talked about a little bit. It, this isn't every 10 years happens the end. But I think some people don't, don't know is that it's an entire village that puts this thing on. So uh, no one, no one is like a professional actor. It's, it's the village that, the village people that kind of sounds funny but <laughs> it's it's the people of this town of this village who who try out and then they come out and they they play these roles and and I've watched multiple documentaries of families talking about like just through the through the like ages like what grandpa did and then what dad has done and what the kids have done as part of the passion place so it's something that everybody comes together for and it's only for a couple of months and it's it's this this world known event where they're celebrating the fact that they were spared from the plague and they told, told the Lord that they would, they would honor him after that. And so that's, it's been telling the story of Christ uh, for all these yeah, years. It, yeah. And again, what a great opportunity to just have a, ho a hollowed sense of uh, a hallowed sense of our own legacy we've come from and, and have a, a sacred understanding of this. We're talking 1634. This was first <laughs> performed. You know, it, it can feel like sometimes as an American Christian that Christianity started when Billy Graham started preaching or the Gaithers started recording music. And <laughs> this, this makes you realize, wait a second, this thing's been going on for a long time. And, you know, when, when 
worship songs seem to have a shelf life of about six months before they feel old. And, and now you, you, you go to a place where they've been expressing gratitude for, since 1634 because they survived the bubonic plague. It, it's just an amazing thing to put our own faith in perspective. And you're right. It, it's this amateur play that they've been doing since the Middle Ages that, that enables us to, to appreciate those who've gone before. And, and they're, they're townsfolk who put this on. This, this has not become some commercialized performance. It's still very grassroots and, and a product of that town and their gratitude to the Lord. And if you're you're an American, I, I always like to caveat this, uh, Eric. What language will this play be in? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I think it's in German. It's in German. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, you'll still understand what's going on, I'm sure. Yeah. So brush up on your German. You know, we'll be working <laughs> on it once we're on the bus. Uh, you'll all be pros by the time we get there, kind of thing. Uh, ready to do it. My my mom who. Um, Mom, if you're listening, you're amazing, but you're really bad at languages. She <laughs> she she went and enjoyed it. So so if if uh, if my mom could go and and love it and uh, and and get something out of it, I think everyone's gonna gonna find this a, a really great time. Yeah, and there are translations for what's going on, so English speakers are able to follow along if, if that's what you want. But but it, obviously, contextual clues clue you into what's going on the whole time. <laughs> Well, as kind of as we like conclude this time a little bit, um, could you maybe just walk us through maybe something something that they're going to learn on the trip? Like, what what is something that they're going to walk away with? A little nugget, you know, that's to give them a glimpse of like what will this trip be like? Well, I, I would like for us to obviously understand and appreciate these these frail but heroic. Uh, saints and brothers and sisters in Christ who who understood the gospel and wanted others to as well. And Spurgeon talked about something called historic heroism, where it's easy for us to read the Bible or read about these reformers and say, oh, isn't it great how God used to work? Isn't it great how uh, Christians used to be so heroic? And, And Spurgeon said, we can't fall into historic heroism as if that's only how God used to work and how Christians used to be. And the reformers suffered tremendous persecution and loss. And I think increasingly in in our day, Christians who really hold the Bible and and the true gospel are going to increasingly experience hostility and persecution and difficulty. And, And we need examples of Christians who stood up in that way and not fall into historic heroism, but believe it's the same God who's at work in the Bible, who was at work during the Reformation and is still at work in our time. And I, I, I want to orient our study really around key passages in the book of Romans, because this core gospel treatment is, is instrumental in Luther becoming aware of justification by faith alone. And then other solas of the Reformation, sola scriptura and sola fide, that it's the Bible alone and faith alone and to the glory of God alone that, that drives us in all of this, that that these central tenets of the faith that come straight out of the book of Romans inspired the Reformation and should continue to inspire us today. 
Well, I'm looking forward to it because, again, anytime you get a group of people together, and I don't know about anybody else out there, it's been too long since I've traveled. So I'm looking forward to getting out. I'm looking forward to, to tasting new things. I'm looking forward to seeing new sites. I'm looking forward to being with people who are like-minded, who want to learn and, and dive deeper into God's word. And so anytime you bring that mixture of people and experience together, uh, I just feel like you know, God works everywhere, but I just feel like God works on these kind of things, at least in my life. And I'm excited for what he's going to do. Like you said, like the possibility of us coming into a moment that is going to bring some revival in our souls. You know, like I could sure use some of that. The last couple of years have, have, it's not that God's not working. I just feel like I'm ready for some of that revival to come, you know, to, yeah. yeah. That's so true, Rich. And I, I look back in my life and the people I have the deepest relationships with are people I've gone through hard times with and people I've traveled with. And we've been in isolation and our world's increasingly isolated, even when there isn't a pandemic because everybody has their earbuds in and it, they, they, uh, they are on screens and disconnected to each other. And what a great opportunity to develop relationships together as we, reflect back in what God's done in the past. And I, I really need to add that my wife, Donna, is going with us and she teaches in the Tory Honors College here at Biola. And she uh, teaches classics and the great books. And And she'll be highlighting for us women of the Reformation. Women played a key role in the Reformation. And so she has some real heroes like Luther's wife, Catherine Dunbora, and others that our cat is named after Lady Jane Grey, who gave her life for Reformation belief <laughs> and commitment in England. And so um, our kids named it that actually we have a picture of Lady Jane Grey about to get her head chopped off in the Tower of London in our <laughs> living room. Sounds morbid, but that's that's what drives us around here. And so uh, my, my wife, Donna, who's, who's just a brilliant woman, will be helping us understand the, the role that women play in Reformation. But the fellowship and the relational depth that, we'll be able to enjoy is, is one of the things I'm looking forward to most. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm glad you brought Donna into the conversation because truthfully, like when we were looking to do this trip, it was you guys as a couple, that was a huge draw. I mean, you've been a, a big influence in my life and uh, Donna has been to so many of my friends um, who have gone through, like my roommate was a Tory, was a Tory person. And this is going to be a great trip. And you guys as a couple just kind of friends, they're so down to earth. And like, there, there are people who are smart who you're like, well, that's over my head. And then there are people who are smart, who bring it to your level and help you learn. And they, they're life changers. Like, and that's what, that's what you and Donna have been in my life and in many of my students' lives and, and just many of the people I know. And so I'm excited for us to travel together with a group of people to, to learn, uh, to, to be friends. I mean, to be all become friends. Cause that's the beauty of travel and to really just see God at work in community. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be great. So let's be praying for this because mm-hmm. I, we, I want this trip to go. So people need to come, mm-hmm. they need to come on this yes, trip indeed. and we, we need this pandemic to continue to come to an end and get on over to Europe. So what we need to do. That's right. Any resources that you can encourage people with uh, if they want to dive a little bit deeper into, you know, knowing more about Luther or knowing more about the Reformation? 
Um, you said, yeah. said Romans. They should yeah, read Romans. I, by far, what I would I would encourage folks to dive into is is reading the Bible, and that's what changed Luther's life and drove the entire Reformation. Is the biblical understanding of the gospel and of God's work on our behalf in human history, and so. I even hesitate to encourage much more beyond that because Luther would be upset <laughs> if if we didn't say get in the Bible and and start reading and even memorizing portions of Scripture, you know Romans three and Romans Romans six, seven, and eight, and and diving into the Book of Galatians, these central Reformation teaching that get us away from mere religion and mere morality as somehow thinking that can save us rather than desperate faith in Jesus alone and his finished work. And so, so I, I would, I would love for folks to dive into the Bible and, and go from there. Yeah. And be ready. If you come on this trip to do a little bit of singing, I think we'll be singing some hymns for yes, sure. If you're indeed. with Eric on a trip. Yes, uh, indeed. And maybe we'll get to sing them in some pretty cool places. So that, that would be a lot of fun. And, you know, but, Luther wrote A Mighty Fortress is Our God, yeah. which grew out of the spiritual warfare he was encountering. And maybe we'll even give it a try in German. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm ready. As long as you as long as you do a repeat after me, uh, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get I'll get a, a, somebody in Oberammer God to lead us. Uh, it's going to be a good time. One of the things I mentioned earlier on was Church History in Plain Language uh, by Bruce Shelley something that I actually listened to it on audio. It's, it's a pretty big mm. book, uh, but it was it was great. I listened to it on commutes as I was driving and and made my way through the history of the church. And it was uh, it was more fun this time than when I did it in school. So mm. and I'm telling you, this trip will bring it alive to you as well. So we're, we're excited for people to come join, to be a part of it. We are uh, excited to partner with Pathfinders. So special thanks to them for making it possible because again, they're the ones who have the space and they're letting us kind of uh, take some of it and join them on a trip. And we are looking forward to being over in Europe and studying alongside all of you. So Eric, thanks so much for joining the, joining the podcast today. Tell Donna that we say hello. We're looking forward to having her with us when we do this trip. And it's not that long away. I mean, I feel like pandemic has made time kind of seem long and short. So, <laughs> right, right, yeah. So soon, soon it will be 2022, and soon we'll be making our way in May of 2022 over to Germany. So, those of you who are following us, thanks for joining the podcast. Like always, our desire is to bring the land and the lessons of the Bible to life, and we look forward to having you on the next one. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. For more information on upcoming GTI study tours, please find us on the web at www.gtitours.org.